0: Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 2, Episode 4, The Wish Child. The original air date for this episode was October 20th, 1986. It was directed by Charles Carell, and it was written by... And Let me get this there are five names here teleplay was Stephen Kandel and bill frolic and it was based on a story by Stephen Kandel, brian allen lane and Stephen cronish mm-hmm. technically six writing credits on this episode but five on screen and then lee david's load always gets his credit um but yeah so a lot of people involved in this one mm-hmm. um and they're drawing from a few different things uh I mean, this was a big year for China. 1986 was a big year for China in film and television.
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, It was the year that Big Trouble in Little China came out, barely before The Golden Child came out. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this uh, episode borrows heavily from both of them.
1: Both in actors and in plot?
0: (laughs) Yes. um, uh, Richard was so kind to put together a, a Venn diagram of actors who appear in MacGyver versus... Big Trouble versus Golden Child, and you'll notice that there, it's a very incestuous chart. <laughs> There's a lot of people getting reused here. Um, Big Trouble in Little China came out July 2nd of 1986, and Golden Child came out December 12th of 1986. So Golden Child actually came out after this episode aired,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: interesting, because yeah. I think it borrows more from the Golden Child than at that time. I guess all they would have had was the trailer. mm mm-hmm. Unless somebody worked... Well, I mean, obviously the whole cast could have contributed to the script because they knew the whole script of the Golden That's Child. That's true, yeah. But yeah, so uh, why don't we go into a brief description of the episode?
1: In this episode, MacGyver is tasked with, I guess, kind of babysitting uh, this girl's younger brother who right. is now involved with some gang members running a con where he is posing as a... his, uh, his mythological figure of a wish child
0: right it's it's a pretty well-known con it's it's called the wish child hustle Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) not to be confused with the boston bang right uh two very different things you can basically fit all the ingredients for the boston bang in a small brown bag (laughs) but uh you need a whole child for the the wish child hustle preferably a 14 year old boy from santa monica
1: yeah as he will be referred to
0: several times (laughs) um This episode, uh, moving into the more detailed description, uh, this episode opens with uh, meaningless beach babe photography. I,
1: I do not know what was going on.
0: I think they were just worried that people weren't paying attention right off the bat, and they wanted to get everyone looking. And so we start with just a bunch of women in swimsuits playing around on a beach. And MacGyver says something along the lines of, you know, they had exposed skin warnings when he grew up in right. Minnesota. W- for frostbite. For frostbite, and- because it snowed all the time. Mm-hmm. And then here they have the same thing, but they're called beach parties. And then as a completely lazy like segue to b- him back at the apartment, he just says, well, the beach isn't the only place for a party, and I had some <laughs> friends who really knew how to party down. And you Like, it doesn't yeah. even transition to a party happening at his it, loft.
1: It's... I have no idea what, what was going on with this with this opening.
0: The last time we saw something like this was Target MacGyver women playing beach volleyball, mm-hmm. and then we move into a house on the beach where they're holding this lady general hostage. Yeah. But since then, and that made m- at least more sense than this does.
1: Because it was on the beach. MacGyver no longer lives on the beach.
0: Yeah, he lives on a loft, which he has claimed in the eraser was close to the beach, but really doesn't look like it's in a beach yeah, part of town. Yeah, it's not.
1: Um, and it almost seems like... They were trying to imply that he still lived on the beach, right? It's like why, why did you move his apartment then? Maybe I mean,
0: they'd started writing this episode before they had moved his mm. apartment, and they weren't really thinking about it. That's the only thing I can think. They, they, they weren't could, really thinking about it.
1: They could have showed any any other piece of footage. Yeah. They could have showed like some stuff downtown. It, it has nothing to do with California. This this episode. Yeah, like it has nothing to do with like being at the beach. It has nothing to do with california in general it's it, they could they, they, sh- they could have shown like stuff about china or like i don't know there's just, like, there are so many options yeah it, it's just really bizarre and i disagree with what he calls exposed skin warnings because we do have those here
0: yeah and it's not a called a beach party <laughs> it's
1: called skin cancer awareness yeah the, the uv index exists for a reason
0: yeah and the segue would have been Lazy even if it was moving to a party happening at his loft. But yeah. that's not what's happening. He's getting beaten up. So he's getting
1: be- beaten, beaten up by someone in a kabuki mask.
0: Right. And it's very clearly a female kabuki mask. I mean, it has lipstick on it, it mm-hmm. looks like. And, um, yeah, so he's getting tossed around his loft, um, the same loft that uh, he's been living in for, for this season of the show. Eventually, the mask comes off of his opponent, and we see that it's Tia Carrera. Mm-hmm. Who you might recognize as uh, Wayne's girlfriend in Wayne's World, 1 and 2. Um, she's also the voice of the older sister in Lilo and Stitch.
1: Yeah, which is great for this episode. Right, yeah. Because uh, she will be playing older sister.
0: Right. And um, for whatever reason, I always go straight to jury duty in my head when I'm trying to think of Tia Carrera roles. Really? The Polly Shore movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. well. well Oh, I'm familiar. (laughs) Yes. Trust me, I
0: watch only that movie. And MacGyver. Uh, Uh, And she was also the principal in High School High.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So That That I have not seen.
0: I think uh, even, I mean, Mike Myers isn't necessarily a believable love interest for Tia Carrera as far as SNL alumni go, but John Lovitz is really pushing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I remember, I do remember her, uh, because again, this is after the height of like, her popularity with Wayne's World. Uh, the Kevin Sorbo movie, Cull the Conqueror. In oh, okay. which In which he plays the kind of villainous... I don't know. I think... It's I like, haven't even seen that one. No, it's it's pretty awful.
0: But the closest I've seen was the movie Krull. No, don't...
1: Oh my god. <laughs> don't you, even compare the two. Don't even compare. That's Krull is so good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I actually have a co-credit with Tia Carrera. Because she did the voice of a character named Lynn in the original Saints Row, which oh. I was a quality assurance video game tester on. <laughs> so she was uh, like second in command for the the Asian gang of the game. But yeah, so we, have, we share one IMDb credit. <laughs> um, Six degrees. She was also in an Indiana Jones uh, ripoff type thing called Relic Hunter. Hmm. Have you ever heard of that? I have
1: not. Is it a TV movie?
0: I hadn't heard of it either. It was a series. It ran for three seasons, 66 episodes. Wow. I couldn't find it pinned down to a specific network in the U.S. It seems like it was like first-run syndication. Like, it was just whoever wanted to air the show could, and they had a contract right, for 66 right. episodes. But she was like it – was, it was basically just a gender swap for – indiana jones she was a college professor except she had a black belt was like the difference really mm-hmm. but she would go after all these like ancient artifacts and fight off other like treasure hunters and basically it belongs in a museum same kind of stuff oh, that sounds like a cool show yeah um and she'll actually come back to macgyver uh in season three episode 20 for an episode called murderer sky but it's not lisa chan okay At that time it's a different character um but yeah she is uh Prolific in martial arts in this scene, um, she's destroying MacGyver repeatedly. Yeah. Um, it, it seems like the mask is supposed to imply that we don't know the gender of the person that he's fighting, but it's still pretty obvious.
1: It's still pretty obvious, but it's also a female visage on the mask. Right. Yeah. Like, and she says that it's it's the mask is to
0: to forget I'm a woman.
1: Right. But it's a it's a female image.
0: Right. And she eventually wins the fight because MacGyver accidentally steps in a wastebasket and. Is so disoriented by it That she's able to just Catch him off yeah. guard And throw him against the couch
1: oh. She is a karate instructor Right By trade um, So we're assuming That these are lessons That he's getting uh, For Just In general
0: <laughs> And there, there's some Some hints in this Scene that they might Be in a Long term relationship what? Sort of Well it, Someone's calling His apartment To speak with oh, her Oh that's
1: true that is true. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I never considered that they – that. I thought it was weird, but I never considered that that's why.
0: I mean, I, they don't – there's no hint beyond that. But it seems to me that the only reason you would call a guy's house looking for an Someone. unrelated woman mm-hmm. is because they were involved in some way. But wow. Um, and she's, like, trusting him to go pick up her brother. Like, your karate instructor wouldn't be like, oh, by the way, can you pick up my brother? I'm going to San Francisco for the weekend or for the day, I guess, because she just flies up and down. But um. But still, I, I don't think you would put that person in charge of like picking up your sibling that's if true, they were just that's a true. client.
1: But she also does say that um, –
0: And they, they seem to be long-term friends.
1: Yeah, yeah, because um, because they say, oh, you know, you haven't Paul's changed over the last couple of years or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you haven't
0: seen him in a while, and he's changed. Um, but yeah, so she gets a call from someone saying, do you want to come up to San Francisco? We have somebody who wants to talk to you about opening your own karate studio, which mm-hmm. is like her dream. And so, of course, she's totally ready to do it. But her younger brother, Paul, who is 14, is at a birthday party. And where's he from? He's from Santa Monica. <laughs> he's a 14-year-old from Santa Monica. <laughs> Not the myths of antiquity, Richard. And, uh, and she, she tells him that he's changed since last year. He's being kind of weird. And, and uh, par- it, it comes up that their parents were killed in a car accident when yeah. he was seven. So seven years ago. Um,
1: Much like Lilo and Stitch.
0: Yeah. And uh, she keeps complaining that he won't stop talking about it. Like, she's like, he's been bringing it up lately. And it's like, he's a 14 year old and his parents died. Like, just talk yeah. to him about it like a person.
1: And he was the one, he, you know, she wasn't with them. Yeah, he was it, in with... the car. Yeah.
0: She's like, yeah, I heard the story about our parents died already. That's great. I'm so Get sorry over for it. You. <laughs> it's not my fault that the culinary college I picked out was on the top of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but yeah. And so she says he's at this party and that she'll need uh, MacGyver to go pick him up, basically, because um, she has to fly out of town immediately. So MacGyver says it's no problem and that even though he's changed recently and MacGyver hasn't seen him in a while, he has this white shock of hair mm-hmm. that uh, evidently is a side effect of the car accident when he was seven. Right.
1: Like, you know, people, the, the old... I don't know how true it is. Going but it, through a trauma. Yeah, exactly. You go through trauma and, and you get like a permanent white streak. The pigment, yeah. the pigment fails in your hair follicles or something. Right.
0: And so, and we looked this this uh, actor up who plays yeah. Paul. Um, his his name was Leon Fan, and uh, for a while he served as the VP of acquisitions for a company called Threshold Entertainment. But apparently he passed away in 2002. He was he was only 32 years old, and the Variety article on his death didn't really disclose a specific cause but um, threshold owns a martial arts channel uh, called black belt tv and they also own an animation subsidiary which is just called threshold whose most famous product is a movie called food fight which (laughs) if you haven't seen it it's a notoriously poorly animated movie starring the logos of many famous food brands like charlie tuna mrs butterworth and the california raisins <laughs> we'll put the, a link to the trailer on uh on the site but it's it's got like uh charlie sheen is the voice of the main character who's like a ripoff of mcgruff the okay. crime dog <laughs> and uh it's just looks terrible it's got eva longoria wayne brady a bunch of like random people but, um, it's, it's pretty rough looking, nah. but yeah, that's, I mean, he didn't really have many acting credits after the eighties, so he must've right. just transitioned right into production and then, yeah, whatever, whatever happened when he was 32, he ended up passing away.
1: But it was very unfortunate. I was, I was surprised to, to learn that. Yeah. Cause you know, obviously with 30, a 30 year old show, you know, roughly now some actors are going to have passed away.
0: Yeah. But you don't expect it to be the 14 year old kid from Santa Monica. Exactly. And, um. It, yeah, it's especially the one who's supposed to be immortal. Like, he's the only mm-hmm. one from this episode. James Hong's still kicking around.
1: Yeah. So, MacGyver now has to track down this address. Right. And he doesn't know where it is. He's questioning people in Chinatown. In the meantime, we're kind of intercutting that with this kind of ritual that's taking place. Yeah, like a, of
0: a handoff it. between two parties. Mm-hmm. Or I guess this isn't really the handoff. This is like verification that this kid yeah. is the wish child. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, George Takai comes in as a Dr. Shen, and, uh...
0: He's he, carrying this briefcase with the, the Shinze stone in it. Mm-hmm.
1: The Shankara stone <laughs> yeah. for this episode. Uh, basically, this gangster, uh, uh, Mr. Stone, I don't think we ever get a first name for him.
0: No, they just call him Stone. Yeah. I, according to IMDb, there's no E in it. It's just S-T-O-N, but it's pronounced Stone.
1: Okay. Well, yeah. I'm... I believe it. Bas- he's the one who's running this con, as we'll come to know it. Right. And uh, Paul is assuming the role of the wish child. And George DeKai as Dr. Shen, is a owner of a museum uh, who is basically tasked with researching any kind of uh, information on the wish child.
0: And the guy that came in with him is like an assistant, or
1: yeah, he's he's an assistant. He's in a lot of he's in a lot of uh, other things too. Yeah,
0: Michael Paul Chan uh, is the actor's name, mm-hmm. and he's he's on The Closer, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but he's also uh, he was Judge Ping on Arrested Development, and apparently he was Data's father in Goonies.
1: Yeah, that's what i saying. Like, I totally which I haven't he...
0: seen that recently enough to like verify that, but I mean it's on IMDb, so I'm yeah, sure it's right. Exa- but it's just I didn't realize that was him.
1: He he seems so much older then. In the Goonies, than he does in this episode, which would be a year later.
0: Right, and uh, George Takei, um, who you you would obviously know was uh, was Zulu on uh, on the original Star Trek, and, mm-hmm. and now is sort of the the Carlos Mencia of internet jokes. Yeah, and uh, while MacGyver's outside, he's like looking for someone to help him, and he he complains that he doesn't have guidance from a local expert, even though later consult a local expert yeah yeah
1: like just go see your friend sammy
0: right but um he basically kind of figures out where this whole deal is going down Mm -hmm. he comes up to a door and he gets interrupted by this uh this henchman played by conan lee who looks a lot like mario lopez um this might actually be pre saved by the bell 86 i think it is uh i think saved by the bell was like late 80s early 90s
1: yeah, because I don't, I don't, I know Slater wasn't a character on Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Right. So
0: So uh, this, this might actually be where the Slater costume came from, this particular henchman. <laughs> um, but uh, Conan Lee actually was one of the forefathers in uh, Lethal Weapon 4. I'm the for forefathers! Four fathers. <laughs> uh, Washington, you Jefferson, those guys. Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with Mel Gibson, who was the original lead for The Golden Child before they rewrote it for Eddie Murphy
1: that's an interesting choice.
0: Yeah. Originally it was supposed to be, I guess the, the writer that wrote it. Um, he, the only other movie he'd written was, uh, just one of the guys. Okay. And then suddenly a bidding war happened when he had written the golden child and he wanted it to be a, a Raymond Chandler story with like supernatural undertones, Mm -hmm. which is why the main character's name is Chandler in the movie. But, um, but yeah, it was originally supposed to be Mel Gibson. It was supposed to be very serious. I can't imagine Mel Gibson being in that movie, though. Yeah, the way no, it is now.
1: absolutely not.
0: I mean, there would definitely... Some of the lines would get changed. I mean, I feel like between the two... And we're going to touch on Golden Child and Big Trouble in Little China a lot over the course of this episode. Yeah, yeah. But between the two, I feel like Big Trouble in Little China is more respectful of the like of Chinese mysticism and stuff like that. Because I feel like Golden Child kind of makes a joke of things occasionally, mm-hmm. and, like including one character who is described as be, being the result of a woman being raped by a dragon and stuff like that. It's like, that's not really, yeah, that, that doesn't really sit well. <laughs> but, um, I feel like the stuff in big trouble, little China is treated a little bit more like actual Chinese mythology. I mean, it, it has bases in, in existing right. gangs. It's and still
1: pretty and, wacky. Well,
0: yeah, they're both wacky, but, um, but yeah. So, uh, Mario Lopez doesn't want to let him in. Um, and so he decides he basically has to distract him from the door yeah. to get into this party.
1: And uh, this is this is, you know MacGyver's all about distractions as we know, but I feel like this is this distraction is a little lazy. Yeah. Because he goes and buys an RC car. <laughs> yeah. It's, he doesn't make anything. He 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 goes and almost buy this distraction.
0: Well, there's I mean both of the ingredients of this distraction are are needlessly convenient yeah like he goes and he buys an rc car and then he just finds a perfectly good dragon head in the trash mm-hmm. that he puts on the rc car voila yeah <laughs> that's basically it
1: yeah i guess the rc car wouldn't have been enough to distract the i don't guard. know i
0: mean he fell for the dragon i feel like he would have chased an rc car out yeah of the shot.
1: so yeah macgyver just kind of like basically just drives this dragon head RC car around in circles and you get all this weird audio of people like going, Whoa, oh, look at look that. Out. Where's it going? oh no. <laughs> in,
0: in fluent English. Yeah. It's when a second ago, no one could give MacGyver a straight answer as yeah. to where this party was happening.
1: It, it's really so silly. And it, and once the guard is actually distracted, I guess MacGyver somehow is keeping it controlled. Yeah,
0: he, he doesn't like rubber band the controls or anything. Yeah. He just sets the controller down. So the car would have stopped immediately. Immediately, And he would have just Gone back to his post at the door.
1: But, um, we continue to hear the the sounds of people going, Oh, look out. Who's controlling this? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I can't imagine. I can just, like, hear the recording session. Yeah. Just just, just keep acting surprised. Just keep, nope, more, more surprised.
0: We're just, okay, you're shocked by this. Should I be speaking in Chinese? No, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. They're <laughs> not really going to be able to make out what you're saying. Um, but when MacGyver gets inside, he sees, um, Paul, not at a birthday party, but sitting in this chair, posing mm-hmm. as the wish child for this scheme they're they're pulling on. Yeah, on uh, a character we haven't met yet here named Mr. Lee, um, who is essentially sent George Takei to verify right the right. child's um, authenticity.
1: B- basically, Mr. Lee and Dr. Shen, played by George Takei, uh, like Mr. Lee is just basically funding him to do constant research. Yeah, like he. Just keep doing it until you find him. Right. He's out there. Find him. Yeah. Um, One of the tests is uh, this rock of Shinzei, which supposedly the witch child will be able to bring a sign from it. Right. And uh, so with a little like uh, a flash in the pan and smoke and mirrors, he uh, creates a distraction and like makes it appear that he crushed the rock. And pulls out like
0: this uh, a different rock that yeah or, well yeah he makes it look like he crushed the rock and there's a it looks like a stamp yeah exactly like
1: yeah like a stone stamp but it looks like seal. it's gold mm-hmm I, I, I yeah I guess it would be like a seal like a like a wax seal yeah exactly kinda that's, that's
0: kind of what I thought uh, and it looks like it's the Chinese characters for a wish child right
1: and uh, this is a big deal to what's going on like it, this the fact that he's able to do a the fact that he's able to have gotten this thing from the stone surprises Doctor Shen. Like he's convinced that he is the Wish Child. Yeah,
0: and um, the diff- thats one of the main differences between the Wish Child and the Golden Child is that there's never any question that the Golden Child is the Golden Child. Like no one needs to verify or authenticate because he's just doing magic the whole throughout the movie. Yeah, um, he's like using telekinesis and uh, resurrecting insects and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, so no one ever questions uh, whether or not he's actually the golden child. And it feels more like the golden child is kind of like a Dalai Lama type thing where there's always a golden child and it's being protected and kept in different areas. Yeah. Um, but this is like the second coming sort of with the wish child. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the original, actually the, the golden child in the movie was played by a girl, but it was supposed to be a boy. So in this movie, Paul is basically playing the part of the wish child. Yeah. So the guy Stone that is um, pitching... Paul as the Wish Child, is played by James Pax. um, And Pax had appeared uh, the previous summer as Lightning, which is one of Lopan's three storms in Big Trouble in Little China. And uh, if you'll recall, we just had Peter Kwong three episodes back as Steven in the series opener, um, who played another storm. He played Rain. And uh, Peter Kwong, also uh, from Peter Kwong, who was in The Human Factor, Uh, also appears as one of Sardo Numspa's henchmen in The Golden Child. Um, Sardo Numspa's like the main villain of that Mm -hmm. movie. He's played by Charles Dance, who uh, you might remember uh, as Benedict from Jack Slater 4.
1: Or currently on Game of Thrones as Tywin Lannister. He is Tywin
0: Lannister on Game of Thrones. Unfortunately, Carter Wong, who plays Thunder, did not make an appearance on MacGyver on account of uh, limited English vocabulary. Um, He actually had very few lines in Big Trouble in Little China. He says a couple things, but you can hear a really thick accent. And, mm-hmm. and um, he does a lot of like weapons exposition stuff, but he doesn't really talk too much. Um, that, that more gets left to Peter Kwong and, and uh, James Pax. But James Pax, or no, sorry, Peter Kwong and James Hong are the only people that are in all three. They're in Golden right. Child, MacGyver, and they're in Big Trouble in Little China.
1: Uh, there, there's, I thought there was one more.
0: Oh, there is the the guy who is who is also in Jack Slater Four who gets the ice cream cone in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget his name now, but he has like long hair and he's bald on the top, and he plays like basically Chinese hitman constantly. Yeah, he, he's one of the the Wing Kong in the original Alleyway fight in the beginning of Big Trouble in Little China, and uh, he's in he's in Golden Child somewhere as one of those henchmen. But he's basically he's in a lot of John Carpenter movies. I think he has a big part in Escape from uh, L.A. Also. Mm-hmm. Um, these connections are not going to let up throughout the episode, by the way. So just be prepared for hearing more and more of these. Also, if if you'd like to check them out, uh, Big Trouble in Little China and The Golden Child are both available on Netflix streaming mm-hmm. right now,
1: along with MacGyver.
0: Along with MacGyver, so that's you just pretty get awesome.
1: the whole the whole run of them.
0: Yeah. Another fun fact: John Carpenter was actually originally attached to direct The Golden Child, but dropped out to direct. Big Trouble in Little China, which they evidently rushed because they were trying to get it through post and beat Golden Child to theaters. They beat it by six months, so I don't know yeah. if that was really necessary. Um,
1: Maybe Golden Child got pushed back though. Yeah, <laughs> it was like it was like one of those things. Like they were rushing to beat it, and Golden Child was like, "Oh no, now now we're going to be competing against it. Let's push yeah, our Let's back. push
0: it back to December." Um, but yeah, so Golden Child and Big Trouble Little China share a lot more cast. Um, they have they both have. James Hong, as we said before, as David Lopan in one, and he's Dr. Hong in the other one. Um, They both have Peter Kwong, who plays uh, Rain, and Tommy Tong in The Golden Child, which is like the secondary villain. He's like Mm -hmm. the leader of the gangs that are keeping the the Golden Child in secret. And they both have Victor Wong, who plays the good guy in both of them. He's he's, uh, Egg Shen in Big Trouble in Little China. And he plays a, a character who's referred to as Monty Hall. He's, like, the crazy old man in The Golden Child. Um, but he becomes, like, a mentor to uh, Eddie Murphy's character. Um, I always think of him as Walter from Tremors.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I know that name. Yeah. And, uh, like, I think I was, I was just going to say it's, it's from Tremors.
0: Yeah, he's, he's the one who actually names the Tremors the Graboids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he also trained the three ninjas in the franchise Three Ninjas. I used to always confuse it with Karate Kid and think that was Pat Morita, but mm-hmm. it, was, it was Victor Wong. And uh, I actually went to elementary school and high school with Chad Power, who played Tum Tum in the original. And uh, <laughs> he came back for the third one, uh, which was the Three Ninjas Knuckle Up, but he was not included in the second one, Three Ninjas Kickback. Back. Yeah. Or the fourth one, which was Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, (laughs) which starred Hulk Hogan, Lonnie Anderson, and uh, Jim Varney, (laughs) Ernest, which is insane that the three of them are in that movie. I have
1: never seen a Three Ninjas movie.
0: No, not even the first one? Not even the first one. The first one's worth a watch. I I feel like that should be on our, our marathon list at some point. We need to do a Three Ninjas marathon. Were there any movies other than Three Ninjas and encino man that refer to six flags magic mountain as mega mountain those are the only two i could think of off the top of my. oh
1: head. It's specifically as mega mountain yeah like they just use it okay. as like the fake version yeah so i was gonna say like um like step by step uses six flags
0: but they but don't I call me- it mega I, don't, I can't remember what they call it oh, okay well it's like bill and ted like waterloo yeah raging waters becomes waterloo but it's not actually like they shot it in arizona or something but the movie is yeah. supposed to take place in San Dimas so it's clearly playing the part of Rage right and right Waters. right um, yeah so that was that was um a tangent that i had the legend of the child the wish child is 1200 years old according to
1: Michael Paul Chan
0: Michael Paul Chan
1: because it was weird because his the actor name is Michael Paul Chan yeah and the character, the character is kid. Paul Chan yeah. in this
0: um, but when he when he walks in he says like oh the 1,200 years and the legend is real or something like that. But for the rest of the episode, it's a 400-year-old legend. Mm-hmm. And all the records only date back four now, centuries. Now, I don't know
1: if this is because there are different incarnations of the wish child. Yeah. Like, he's he dies and is born again. Or if the wish child is immortal and then...
0: It just keeps showing up. Yeah, it just times. keeps like
1: showing up now and then. Okay. And always keeps losing his memory Yeah, as per the legend
0: um and uh, apparently the point of of purchasing the wish child in this transaction is that if you link yourself to the wish child then you gain some yeah part of his immortality essentially that you guys are entwined or something mm-hmm. like that
1: yeah i mean we'll, we'll learn this later in the episode but it, i don't know how you link your soul it appears to be just as simple as having him around
0: and technically owning him like mm-hmm. having some sort of a certificate of transfer yeah. of property um but it's, it's kind of interesting, though, that James Hong is the one buying him because, I mean, it's essentially the same thing Lo Pan's doing in Big Trouble in Little China, which is trying to gain uh, first mortality and then immortality. Yeah. Because uh, he's trying to get his soul back that some demons tricked him out of a long time ago. And so he would become mortal, but then he would also live forever if he married a girl with green eyes. So both of these are about James Hong trying to live forever. And yeah. it seems to have worked.
1: Because he he's still around. Yeah.
0: It's kind of funny because uh, I think MacGyver and Jack Burton have probably the two most forgivable mullets from the eighties.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: I think they're the ones that no one ever calls them out on, but they're also undeniably mullets.
1: Yeah, and if they still and also though, I feel if they still had the mullets, like if Richard Dean Anderson and Kurt Russell still had mullets, nobody would care. No yeah. one would care. Yeah. Everyone would be like, "Dude, that's awesome! You're rocking that mullet."
0: It'd be like if Weird Al still had the fro. People would be like, "All right, yeah, he's got a fro. That's Weird Al."
1: I I like it. It suits him.
0: It seems like MacGyver has way more voiceover in this episode than he normally does.
1: Yeah, there's a lot.
0: And I I actually went back and figured out every single episode he has essentially a sidekick or two sidekicks. Mm -hmm. Like, two sidekick episodes would include Trumbo's world where he starts with Charlie, right. Charlie passes away, and he finishes with Trumbo as a sidekick. And then almost the same thing happens for Countdown. He starts with Charlie as a sidekick, Mm -hmm. Charlie passes away and Ellen Bree becomes his new sidekick.
1: <laughs> he loses Charlie's like there's no tomorrow.
0: Yeah, he's not good with Charlie's, but um other than those two episodes, he pretty much has the same sidekick throughout each episode up until this one mm-hmm. where you could say that Lisa's kind of a sidekick, but she's only in the first scene and she doesn't help right. him get through anything. Um Paul ends up playing a sidekick for about three minutes in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start until pretty late, like maybe 20 minutes into the episode when yeah. he actually has like Paul on his side and then he loses him again three minutes later. So,
1: But there's usually a mission or someone associated with what he's doing.
0: And people to hand him ingredients for MacGyverisms and stuff like that. Yeah, he, But there's he, really nobody like that in this episode, so he talks to himself so much. Mm-hmm. But I think it's definitely the most, most voiceover that we've gotten so far
1: so here's the thing about this next part is MacGyver sneaks into the ritual,
0: but then oh, just sneaks is, yeah. He
1: blatantly just like pushes the beads aside. It's like, Hey, what's going on guys? Yeah. Um, and, and even Paul was, like surprised, to, obviously surprised to see him there. Yeah. And, uh, he's just, just kind of saying, Oh, you know, I've come to get Paul. we are come to take him back. And, and he's instantly descended upon by several kind of punk, Looking goons. Yeah, there's
0: a woman that's just screaming Chinese at him that yeah he doesn't understand, and,
1: and so MacGyver tries to make a run for it, and he just grabs George Dekai and throws him to yeah the he ground. just he's
0: big on pushing old Asian men over, <laughs> but uh, I mean he's not really Takay wasn't old when this came out yeah
1: really. but it's just so funny like he's just like like take him <laughs> yeah
0: but the point of that is that you see Takay drop the. The seal. sign, yeah. yeah, that he took out of the stone,
1: and then it gets stepped on,
0: right? In this whole like kerfuffle, and then uh, and then Mac gets just knocked out cold.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh And we have a really interesting wake up for him. MacGyver comes to in a crate, and it's filled with fireworks, right? Which is weird that the fireworks are exiting the country. Yeah, um, they're
0: actually going. They're getting on a ship to New Zealand.
1: Yeah. Um it seems like it would probably be easier for them to be shipped directly from China to get to New Zealand, yeah, rather than especially have them... since
0: they're Chinese fireworks like yeah. everything's written in Chinese on the box, so they were clearly manufactured in China. Mm-hmm. they were shipped to America specifically so they could ship to New Zealand, yeah
1: I mean, maybe that's how shipping works. <laughs> I, don't I don't know we <laughs> yeah. don't
0: ship much <laughs> it, we both have Amazon Prime.
1: <laughs> it just comes straight to me yeah <laughs> uh, so. To try to get out of this crate, which is clearly moving,
0: uh, he thinks that someone's shaking it or that it's yeah. on like some kind of a truck or something that's moving around. Mm-hmm.
1: He decides to open up and use the fireworks to blow his way out of the crate, and I was like, "This is probably the most reckless MacGyver has
0: ever been." Yeah,
1: like he even says like, "Without, I'm gonna try to blow a hole in the box without blowing up the whole box."
0: Yeah, and this, but he makes jokes like that pretty regularly, where he'll be like well, this is either going to save us or kill us, but he'll, he always has some kind of a pun where he like makes mm-hmm. the two things sound similar.
1: Um, yeah, so he, he just basically – he doesn't really concoct anything. He just grabs an M80 and –
0: Which is like a quarter stick of dynamite. Yeah,
1: and he wedges it into uh, the edge of like of the box and uses his watch crystal uh, – as a magnifying lens to and he
0: just takes his jacket off to like cushion it a little bit yeah oh yeah as soon as, soon
1: as he gets it lit, lit he wads up his jacket and puts his feet up against it to direct I guess
0: the blast away from him yeah but it would just shatter his entire leg bone yeah
1: oh man it's that's such a powerful little device yeah um but it ends up just blowing open the crate and spilling the contents
0: Including and the
1: out of the crate
0: and he's able to grab onto like this netting that was wrapped mm-hmm. around the box. Which I think is the last shot from the new opening credits.
1: Yeah, it's in the opening credits now.
0: Yeah, and I think it's, it's the last one we'll see from this season. Because mm-hmm. we saw the hockey one already and the yeah. the wire that's like shooting sparks everywhere. So I think this is the last new shot. So they, they cut these titles together four episodes in instead of six yeah. episodes in.
1: And uh, that's where the act break is, because it's commercial break. Right. And uh, we come back to him still... Hanging over the the water, and he's just yelling to the uh, loaders. The dock workers, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Can you get me down?" As if they wouldn't, as soon as the explosion went off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And uh, and so they just kind of lower him down, no questions asked. And he just walks away. He's like, he makes a joke, like, "I decided not to take that cruise."
0: Yeah. And their faces, as he's just walking away, they're like, um, what? What is that guy talking <laughs> sir, about? Sir,
1: you have some questions you need to be asked.
0: <laughs> and uh, a- actually, as he's walking past these guys, he's walking away from the the boat that he's leaving was called the Auckland Trader. Yeah. And someone later says that it was bound for New Zealand, um, which it would be, because that's where Auckland is. Yes.
1: But what's, what's what's kind of funny about this moment, too, is that um, this is also the same pier where Mr. Mr. Lee's, Lee's boat, boat is. is. And he ends
0: up walking right past it in the, yeah. in the same shot.
1: So Stone's men, somewhere in Chinatown, grabbed MacGyver, knocked him out, took him to where Mr. Lee was, right. put him in a crate. Uh, it, it was all, it just seems like it, this was a really terrible excuse to show. They could have just cut to the freighter.
0: Yeah, you, you wouldn't, and, and MacGyver makes the joke twice in this episode, but you wouldn't Shanghai him on a ship right next to your own ship. Yeah. Any, anywhere else would have been much better. And, like, Hong is so proud of it. Like, oh, there's no strings attached. Like, what a great idea. And it's like, no, that's the terrible idea. Yeah,
1: you you, you basically got
0: him close to... You gave him our address. Yeah. But it doesn't help because MacGyver just walks right back to Chinatown. <laughs> but um, Immediately. But as he's walking past James Hong's ship, they kind of uh, punch in, and then we see James Hong on the phone. Uh, talking with someone on his ship mm-hmm. and that's where it becomes clear that he's mr lee and that this is uh he's going to be the benefactor of this transaction um james hong is the only actor who's in this episode that was in both films the other yeah. two actors that are in macgyver and the two films are not in this episode right but um james hong is the only one that's in all three and uh
1: he's the he's the center
0: right and victor wong is in both movies but he's never been on MacGyver, unfortunately.
1: The the person that uh, Mr. Lee answers the phone to is presumably some kind of assistant who's telling him that Dr. Shen is there. And, and he says, good, have him wait. And he thinks, Yeah, oh. tell him to wait. Yeah, then... it's like, okay. So and then he – then Mr. Lee gets up and goes through, goes out a door and is like, oh, okay, he's going to go do something while Dr. Shen is waiting like in the lobby or something. No, he's actually on his way to see Dr. Shen – it's
0: like... Who's who's standing in, like, a random, like, yeah. dirty corner of the ship. Like, where was that secretary that said, oh, he's here?
1: Yeah, wait wait for him here.
0: Uh, it's like, can you go to a dirty room and wait for him?
1: Please? Yeah. And so then he goes to meet Dr. Shen, and Dr. Shen's trying to talk to him and says, no, no, no.
0: Let's not, not talk here. here. Let's not talk here. <laughs> this room you, isn't secure.
1: Why did you have him meet here?
0: Yeah.
1: And why wouldn't his ship be secure? Everyone knows... He's looking for the golden child. Right. With, oh, God, I already messed it up. The wish child. <laughs> <laughs> I already said golden child. I was trying so hard.
0: That not to confuse Not
1: them. to do that. Um,
0: you would think after this episode, the words wish child would be hammered into your head.
1: I know. Uh as you'll as you'll come to find out when you watch this, audience listeners, um, <laughs> that uh, they say the Wish Child a total of thirty times.
0: He is the Wish Child. The Wish Child. The true Wish Child. The Wish Child. The Wish Child. The Wish Child. The Wish Child, Wish Child, the 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 Wish Child, and James Hong, by the way, if if you're not familiar with the name, is pretty well known just in a bunch of films.
1: You've either heard his voice or seen him in. Many, many things.
0: He's 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 known uh, for appearances. He he plays a, a character in Chinatown and actually came back to reprise the role for the two Jakes. Hmm. Um, he uh, he was in Wayne's World where he actually played Tia Carrera's father.
1: Yeah, and part two.
0: Um, I think he's in. Yeah, no, he's only in the second one. She's yeah. in both, but he's only in the second one. Um, he's he's actually in three more MacGyvers as different characters, and uh, he was in Mulan. So was Conan Lee. Actually, was okay. in Mulan. Um so it was Eddie Murphy, <laughs> protector of the golden child. Um oh, I and, wonder if
1: that was on purpose. You think that was on purpose?
0: If they know. got Eddie Murphy. It's hard to say. Um and then Kung Fu Panda's uh yeah, duck most... goose father. Yeah,
1: he 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 is Jack Black's father character.
0: Yeah. And he's also uh the Chinese ambassador on the West Wing, which I have to point out. N- Narai in the first episode played the Chinese ambassador. In early seasons, and then they switched to James Hong later in the show. So Narai and yeah, and uh, Mister Lee have both been Chinese ambassadors on the West Wing. I've actually met him. I, I counted out. I, I've met him. Uh, I think four times or five times. James Hong. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, well, I didn't really meet him the very first time. The first time <laughs> that I met him was I was in a doctor's office in the Valley. And my dad kind of nudged me because I was there with my daddy at an appointment. Mm. And he was like, you know who that is? And I was like, who? And he's like, that guy. And he points at just an older Chinese gentleman sitting across from us. And I was like, no, who is that? And he's like, it's Lopan. I was probably 10 at the time. Yeah. And then like that night we came home and watched Big Trouble again. And I was like, oh, my God, that was totally him. (laughs) Um, And then later I was working at a company called Laser Pacific who did all the post on Balls of Fury.
1: Which, oh, if yes, you don't yes. remember
0: this, the ping pong movie. Yeah. And he plays, like, the mentor guy that trains him how to play ping pong. And uh, so he came uh, to the Laser Pacific building. He was actually walking down Koenga out in front while I was, like, standing outside calling Jess or something. And and I, I was like, oh, my God, are you mis- uh, Mr. Hong, Mr. Hong? And trying to get his attention. Mm-hmm. He he is pretty hard of hearing at this point. yeah, And um, I think it was his daughter or granddaughter was with him. And was having to repeat things just because, you know, he's he's older. And I think he's ha- just having a tough time with his hearing. And uh, so I just let him know I was a huge fan of Big Trouble in Little China. It's probably one of my favorite movies. Less than a week later, I'm at a Big Trouble in Little China midnight screening at the New Beverly. And he shows up. Oh, And he I think he wanted to say a few words before the movie started. And I went up and talked to him. And I said, you just gave me your business card like a week ago. And you said I should like – because he teaches – he has like acting classes mm. that he gives. And uh, – and you can find that we'll put a link to his acting classes on the website, because um, he still does it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think the line got a little intimidating, and at a certain point, he was like, "I'm just gonna go. <laughs> like, Aww. I'm not gonna. I'm not comfortable going in front of like six hundred people. people to go see Big Trouble Little China and talk about it, especially if he was gonna have like communication issues, like trying to talk to these people.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then the last time I met him was when I was working on The Beast the patrick swayze show okay okay um he played a character in one episode and he came in to do some adr stuff and so we, we got i got to talk to him on the soundstage for that because they did all their their post work on uh, sony lot but i was just like counting him up in my head i was like oh man i've bumped into this guy a bunch of times <laughs> but That's uh, awesome. he's great I, r- I really do like him and his voice is phenomenal mm-hmm. like i wish he did more voice he does a lot of voices yeah, i wish yeah, he yeah. did more so in this meeting, Takei is reporting to Mr. Lee about having verified the boy. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: and, they, and Lee takes uh, Dr. Shen to his, like, Wish Child Museum, his personal museum. Which
0: is funny, because, yeah, Take already runs a Golden Era Museum of uh-huh. uh, Wish Child stuff, but now this is Mr. Lee's museum, which is even cooler stuff than yeah, what Takei has. Yeah, like
1: his private collection. Yeah. Um, and it's in there that, you know, Doctor Shen like says, "Oh, he gave me this seal. Uh, I'm, I'm certain. I'm certain he is the Wish Child. And uh, he also warns Doctor Shen also warns him about this character Stone, who Mister <laughs> Lee seems already well aware. Yeah,
0: it, but does not see the con coming at all.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, this is a like a gangster and a killer and
0: yeah. He says he says he's a petty criminal. He's a dishonest thief, a swindler, a swindler by trade." Yeah. which is like he's a swindler by trade and you're buying something from him for a million dollars and he has several murders to his credit was my yeah. favorite like it's like this, just a weird weird way to put that
1: on um, uh Com. <laughs> he's credited with three murders here <laughs>
0: yeah murder db <laughs> um, um and then takei leaves the the museum area mm-hmm. and james hong Prays to a, little, a small golden statue of the Wish, the wish child. child. It's a golden statue of the Wish Child, not yeah, the Golden Child. Not the Golden Child. And um, so he prays in Chinese, and then after the guy's left, he repeats the prayer in English for mm-hmm. no one. <laughs> <laughs> he just translates it needlessly for the cameraman. Yeah, he's the only person in the room. Like that, the prayer could have been in Chinese completely, mm-hmm. and we would have been like, "Oh, that's a prayer." Yeah, the end. yeah.
1: He's saying he okay. It's a very it's a very solemn moment for him. All right. Um, I also like to think that Mister Lee is willing to deal with Stone, and willing to maybe believe that this is the wish child because of the legend. Yeah. That the legend is, like, that a bad person is the one who sells him. Right. So it's like, if this is following the legend, then the fact that Stone is a con man and a bad guy...
0: And there's one hint later to us that he might actually be the wish child. Yeah. Actually, sort of, too, I guess.
1: There's a lot of weird little indications that, that he could be the wish child,
0: and I think Stone thinks it's just helping the process to convince the kid that he is the wish child. So yeah. he's letting him believe that, too.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think, maybe what if I was? Both know you're special, Paul. When MacGyver gets back to Chinatown, he finds like the the place where they are having the rituals all cleaned out now, except for the impression in the wood floor right. from uh, the seal that was stepped on. And it's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't call blowing up the uh, crate really a MacGyverism or the RC car purchase in MacGyverism. Yeah. Um. This is the first time like he's actually like taking apart some stuff. He's basically ruining the small little loft though. He like grabs a piece of the, rips off a piece of the ventilation system.
0: Yeah. And, and then, then he, he tears a faucet out of the wall yeah, and just, water's uh, just gushing out onto the floor. <laughs> and this is hardwood. Like this isn't like.
1: Yeah. And it's probably bamboo, which warps really bad underwater.
0: Yeah. Um. And it, it's really not even necessary. Yeah. He, because he could have just, I mean, the point is that he can't take the whole floor with him, so he's going to pry out the piece of the floorboard with the seal in it so he can uh, bring it to someone who reads Chinese, right. essentially.
1: In Chinatown.
0: Yeah. Um, he could have just, like, gone outside and grabbed someone and been like, can you yeah. read this for me? <laughs> but instead, he decides he's going to chip this piece out of the floor, which he could have probably done with his bare hands, mm-hmm. judging from how he eventually takes it off. But instead, he floods Chinatown for
1: that reason. <laughs> um, he takes the piece of wood to uh basically like his inside guy in Chinatown. Right. Um it I compare it to like the shoeshine guy in uh the police <laughs> the police squad movies or oh, the, okay. the police squad T V show. Yeah. Um and uh it's just it's just this guy. He's played by like, Clyde Kusatsu um who we had seen previously in The Golden Triangle. Right. Not he to was, be confused uh, with the Golden Child, right. which this episode is
0: a Right. He played Headman <laughs> Headman. Um and uh he had a name.
1: He did have a name.
0: But it wasn't actually spoken in the episode. He's only referred to as Headman. Yeah. Um and I think here he's actually playing kind of a combination of Dennis Dunn's character from Big Trouble, Wang. Mm. And um victor wong's character from the golden child because when we first see him he's talking to people with kind of a chinese accent yeah and it sounds like victor wong to me the way he's talking oh an honorable gift all the way from china brought it right from the dock Uh, a real collector's item and they're both con men like when when eddie murphy meets victor wong's character in, in golden child he's like tricks him into giving him more money than he meant and he doesn't give him the necklace that he's trying to buy and he's just like messing around with him and when we first meet uh, Dennis Dunn's character Wang in Big Trouble in Little China he's like making bets with Jack Burton and trying to trick him out of his money mm-hmm. and like double or nothing I can cut this bottle in half and and uh, so th- they're very similar and also like Dennis Dunn ends up being like a like, super fast talking con man yeah. and, and he knows all the mythology in addition to how to trick people out of their money
1: and well, yeah. So it, this guy is like, like he's really hamming up that he is a, like an authentic merchant, like. But he's like dealing stuff out of the back of his car. Right. He's wearing like. And robes. it's like Taiwanese stuff that he's mm-hmm. saying is
0: like Chinese that he's selling to people. Yeah,
1: um, but MacGyver knows him and knows like knows his games and and he knows MacGyver. And it's like oh, and as soon as like he sees MacGyver. He, the accent's completely gone. Yeah, it's one hundred percent perfect, uh, like American English.
0: Yeah, which and, I'm sure is why he got this part too. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Dennis Dunn uh, and his fluid English, um, the the part that he plays in Big Trouble in Little China was originally offered to Jackie Chan. Okay. Um, which uh, John Carpenter actually had to fight to make that offer because the studio wasn't convinced that he could play the part yet. And uh, Jackie Chan actually ended up turning it down because he wasn't comfortable with his English speaking, the same as um, as uh, Carter Wong's uh, issue. Um, but at the time, the biggest American movie that Jackie Chan had done was probably Cannonball Run. Um, but Carpenter had seen Police Story, which is yeah. a really famous martial arts franchise in China, and uh, and knew that Chan would be awesome for the role. Um, but he, he said no because he wasn't comfortable with as many lines as Dennis Dunn's character mm. ends up having in the movie. But um, he does cameo in that first alley fight somewhere. I've never noticed him in it, but huh. apparently he does have a cameo in that scene.
1: Maybe, maybe he's, like, doubling for someone doing the fight.
0: Yeah, he's one of the, like, the... I don't think he's a Wing Kong. He probably would have been the yellow team, not the red team. Because mm. the yellow team are the good guys, the red team are the bad guys. Um, and Jackie Chan just can't play a bad guy, even in a minor extra yeah, role. Yeah, never. Except for, I guess, he does in that one Bruce Lee movie. But aside from that, he can't really play (laughs) bad guys. Um, But it's funny because Kurt Russell actually also was not comfortable taking the role originally of Jack Burton because um, he'd had a few flops in a row and he didn't want to ruin the movie for John Carpenter. Mm -hmm. And John Carpenter was like, I want you to play this part anyway. I don't really care. And the studio made him go to jack nicholson and clint eastwood first oh geez no would have been a completely different movie i mean it couldn't have been jack nicholson anyway because you can't do chinatown and then big trouble in little china like it just would have been really weird yeah and clint eastwood maybe maybe i don't know i'd say i still say no but it also was supposed to be a western originally and i don't know if it was a western when they pitched it to clint eastwood originally it was his horse getting stolen not the pork chop express so that maybe i could have seen with clint eastwood but the way it ended up was 100 percent perfect yeah and as much as i love jackie chan dennis dunn does a fantastic job as wang Mm -hmm. and there is no better jack burton than kurt russell like he's the end all be all in that movie um that's like probably my favorite like movie hero character in anything but anyway the the clyde kusatsu um character sam i guess is his name right yeah
1: sam sammy kind of goes back and forth between the two
0: did we mention when we covered golden triangle that that kusatsu was the the president of of sag no no?
1: or i don't remember if we did
0: yeah i don't remember if we did either but he is oh yeah still when yeah because when i tried to when we were trying to reach out to guests and things like that that was one of the venues that i was trying to reach him through but I, i couldn't find uh, simple contact information through there, so oh, that's really fascinating yeah. I
1: mean I know that like per- actors and you know like working work, in, work in SAG and like just like directors work in the dga and producers yeah, and yeah, DGA, yeah like um but uh that that's a really interesting I don't know how you get into those positions,
0: yeah it's i mean it's all elections, but I mean if you have actor friends and mm-hmm. I mean obviously he works a lot, so that yeah, absolutely. definitely helps.
1: But Sammy uh, basically relates to MacGyver based on the wood plank that he brings him. It's like, oh yeah, it's the Wish Child. There's a big people are talking about that right now because of the They're con. They're this Wish
0: Child hustle on, on mm-hmm. Mr. Lee right now.
1: Um, which again, if if he is as well informed, you think Mr. Lee would be just as informed, right? Like that, uh, even the people don't really believe that this kid's the Wish Child. Yeah. Uh, but because of the popularity, like, Sammy's sales are through the roof on Wish Child Junk. Yeah. And to the point where he he has stolen um, postcards from... The, the Golden Era Museum. Yeah. To K-Runs. And, and then uh, just basically duct taped them to uh, pieces of wood to yeah. sell. And he gives MacGyver one. Like, oh, here, here's one for you. Um,
0: and MacGyver refers to um, Stone here as a fashion plate. Mm-hmm. which is the second time that MacGyver has used the word fashion plate in this series. I'm assuming this is a Richard Dean Anderson word mm. like phrase, not a something that the writers were used. I think it's something that MacGyver, like Richard Dean Anderson improvised okay. as like a way to describe a character because it's none of the same writers. I mean, there's five writers in this episode. None of them worked on golden right, triangle. Right. right. And uh, the last time he used it was in reference to general Narai in the golden mm-hmm. triangle. And he was saying it to Clyde Kasatsu and others. So this is the second time he said fashion plate in front of Clyde Kasatsu in reference to <laughs> the the Asian villain of the episode.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. From what we gather now from this story of the Wish Child is the reason that Mr. Lee probably wants Paul is the immortality link. This right. Is, this is where this information first comes into play. Right. And But, but Sammy tells MacGyver that... Hey, once this con is played out, the if the kid's only good as long as he's useful. If people stop thinking that he's the wish child, if the con's played out, then the kid's done for.
0: Yeah, he's essentially going to get murdered. And this is a 14-year-old kid from Santa Monica, not the mists of antiquity.
1: Yeah. So we now we're kind of cutting back to Paul with Stone at a restaurant that Stone appears to own. Yeah. And Stone's just kind of like like building the kid up. You know, he's like, oh, you're doing great. Here's a watch. Uh, you know, letting
0: the kid think he's going to get rich enough to buy his sister, her own karate studio. Right. Have to go to San Francisco and make meetings for one.
1: Mm. -hmm. Uh, you know, Paul's just totally thrilled with all this, these potential future things that are going to be coming down his way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess Paul was just kind of go, go relax somewhere in the restaurant, but MacGyver grabs him from the back door and just kind of MacGyver just kind of kind of like walking him down the street, walking and talking quickly so they can get away from the restaurant. So right. they can have like a private, more private conversation yeah. about what's going on. And from there, MacGyver is like, just kind of laying into him a little bit. a will be a little harsh, like saying, you know, Oh, what are you doing? You know that you're conning people. This is wrong. And you know it. Um, and, but Paul is too convinced that stone is a good person. Yeah, and, and this
0: is twenty five minutes into the episode when when MacGyver adopts his first semi sidekick right, right. character,
1: because he yeah he's essentially been alone this whole time yeah uh, so but they figure they need to he, MacGyver really just wants to get him out of Chinatown before they go on about what they're going to talk about yeah because the at this point Stone has realized that they've gone missing and,
0: and Paul's still kind of trying to convince him that he kind of is the wish child or that he thinks he is yeah like he's he just says. Well, you know, like, my, my parents died in that accident, and I wasn't hurt. All I got was this, you know, white shock of hair, and...
1: What I like about this the couple... It's so strange, because apparently Chinatown is impossible to escape. It, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a walled-in fortress. It's, yeah. <laughs> the, the only way to get out of Chinatown is to scale this, like, 15-foot wall, sheer wall that's in this alleyway. Which uh,
0: totally defeats the purpose of an alleyway. It's the same way that the alleys ended in during the map opening gambit. Yeah. It's just like a dead end wall that's there for no reason.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it is literally the edge of Chinatown, the yeah. city. And And uh, so MacGyver grabs an umbrella, which is more trash. Look, this is a lot of trash MacGyverisms in this episode. A lot of
0: convenient trash MacGyverisms.
1: Yeah. Uh, he grabs an umbrella and then uses the 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 hook to kind of grab some. Like a clothesline, I guess, that's just hanging up in the alley, and uh, he he starts to like chop up the umbrella canvas, right? To just get it to the metal the metal hooks, because he's gonna make it, use it as a grappling hook. Now,
0: I don't know that that's necessary.
1: Yeah, I I don't think it's necessary to cut off the metal or to cut off the 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 fabric, can, the yeah. fabric to use it as a grappling hook. But also,
0: it would not work. It
1: would not work. I. I, I can't even keep an umbrella from breaking half yeah. the time
0: a strong breeze can turn an umbrella inside out I don't know why <laughs> the weight of a human wouldn't yeah
1: um, it's a it's more of a cartoon kind of concept you know what I yeah. mean
0: and it's not just the umbrella that doesn't make sense here the the rope that he pulls down is it's way too thin way to too be thin. climbing like it it would, it would be just cutting the circulation off in his hand if yeah, he was trying to I, use it.
1: Yeah. you wouldn't be able to grip it. You would have to you'd have to wrap it around your hands. Yeah, your just fingers would be black it. by the time you got to the yeah. top of it. The... So he, you know, he throws it over the uh over the wall and gets it, but um him him shouting to Paul, "Come on Paul, let's go." lures all the goons towards him.
0: Yeah, he's shouting way too loud.
1: And so Paul decides he's going to go with them. He's like, don't worry, MacGyver, I'm going to be okay. As the guy with the gun is approaching MacGyver.
0: Yeah. He knows what's good for me, I'm going to go with him, bye, MacGyver. And so three minutes after he showed up, the first sidekick of the episode is gone. And doesn't come back until very near the end.
1: Yeah, and I don't get why Paul didn't instantly question these people as a gun. Why need a
0: gun if he's a legitimate salesperson? Yeah, a gun
1: with a suppressor, Yeah, and... And so MacGyver's like, "Oh, you heard him. You gotta, you gotta be nice." Yeah. And so the guy's about to take aim. So MacGyver grabs a garbage can lid and just kind of like frisbees, frisbees, zis, Frisbeez, yeah, <laughs> frisbees it, at him
0: to knock the gun out of his hand. Yeah. Which at the same time as I want to criticize the the ludicrousness of having time to frisbee a trash can lid at a person with a gun before yeah. they can get a shot off, I. I'm recalling in my head that I've used that exact same thing in a script I wrote. <laughs> now, in my pocket dialer script, there's a scene where the guy gets chased into an alleyway and Frisbee's a trash can lid at someone with a gun.
1: <laughs> well, now you're vindicated.
0: Yeah. You know so, it works. <laughs> now I can I can never again say I would have written this better, because I wrote the exact same scene.
1: Uh, MacGyver climbs up over the wall, and then as the uh, goon, uh, Mario Lopez, tries to climb up after him, he cuts the line. Yeah. I would have waited until he got higher.
0: <laughs> yeah. You want to cripple this guy.
1: Um, and uh, again, because Chinatown is an inescapable fortress, the guy does not try to pursue him
0: any further. Yeah, and Forget it, Jake. It's not Chinatown.
1: He's his, her brother. He's the wish child. He's your brother. He's the wish child. <laughs> From the, from the outreaches of Chinatown, MacGyver watches Paul being loaded into a, a limousine and uh, you know, doesn't know where he's going. Yeah. So his only clue now is the postcard that he got from Sammy, which made me think it was part of a scam that Sammy was pulling. Yeah. Like. There's a tracker in this. Yeah. Find your house. Everyone things. gets one. Uh, and so MacGyver tracks it back to the Golden Air muse- Museum uh, where he meets Dr. Shen. And so this is, like, the first kind of, like...
0: Which is George Takei's character, in case we haven't used the name before. I don't remember if we called him Uh, Dr. Shen earlier. I I keep
1: referring to him as both. Oh, okay. Like, I keep alternating back between Dr. Shen and George Takei. (laughs) And this scene with MacGyver and Dr. Shen is intercut with Mr. Lee meeting Paul for the first time. Right. And uh, Lee has uh, more tests beyond the stone
0: test and these yeah. are the ones that are kind of hints to us as the viewer that this kid might actually be the wish child. Right.
1: Because Mr. Lee's is asking him about his parents' death and that he can't remember and that he was found wandering in the mountains. And he says, Much... that's
0: the same thing that happened to the wish child. So yeah. don't worry that you can't remember. Uh,
1: and uh, Dr. Shen is also kind of recount, you know, giving him the same kind of story. Like saying, oh, you know, this is where he was... Lost in the mountains, he was sold by bandits, uh, and that, you know, that Mr. Lee is very old and wants to bind his soul and keep the Wish Child in order that he can be immortal. Yeah. Um, so MacGyver kind of guilts Dr. Shen into, like, oh, well, just like the legend.
0: He just repeats the, this is a 14 year old kid from Santa Monica."
1: Monica. And, uh, Kind of guilt. He's kind of using a lot of guilt in this episode. I've noticed. Yeah. Um, Guilt and trash. (laughs) (laughs) The alternative title for this episode.
0: (laughs) The guilt and trash. It sounds Uh, like the golden child.
1: (laughs) Um, He uh, he's he's basically blaming Doctor Shen as. Who broke? He basically claimed that he brokered this deal.
0: Well, yeah, because the, the legend states that the the child will be sold by an uh, an evil person to like the person whose soul will be bound with the child and will mm. be made immortal by the transaction. And so he says, "Sure, Stone's the one who sold the kid, but you let it happen. Yeah. So that's all on you. It's Everything's like, on no, you. No, you just said Stone's the one who sold, so he's the bad guy from the legend, like." Yeah. But Takay takes it to heart and immediately is like, "You're right. I'm going to tell you where Paul is." Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, one of one of Stone's other hitmen is out there. Yeah, to to shut that down right away. Yeah,
1: uh, I should have mentioned it earlier. Um, when George Takay was first talking to uh, James Hong about Stone, when they were first like saying, "Oh, he's a dangerous man. You right. you shouldn't trust him," Mister Lee says that he's got a man on the inside. And, okay. Yes. And this and this is the first time that we see him again, and uh, he shoots Doctor Shen before he can give MacGyver any further information, which doesn't end up working because as Doctor Shen is dying and MacGyver's saying "Where's Paul?" Doctor Shen manages to, to to eke out all of this information. He's like, he's in a freighter, a Pier K sixty three. He's in the forward hold steel door. He's in there. You're gonna to want to get off at the uh, Mayflower exit. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like, are you dying or <laughs> did he just wing you? Because <laughs> you...
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is way more information than I expected. TMI, dude. Yeah. Uh, but he also like the very last thing he says is like, "The child is in the door," or yeah. something like that. Not behind the door mm-hmm. or in the room. He says in the door, and it's like, okay, you had me right up until that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like he's in this. He's behind the steel door on the freighter. All the doors on freighters are steel doors. It's,
0: it's child a... inside that door. <laughs> what? Inside the door? Um, I shouldn't have loaded up all the gunpowder. <laughs> it was in the door.
1: <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Gotta get you out. <laughs> Don't worry. I've done this one other time today.
0: Dead if I have to. <laughs> and uh, like you said, this is being intercut with paul passing the other tests so not only has he passed this whole like testimonial describing the incident mm-hmm. that killed his parents um which he says that he was with his parents driving to meet his his sister at college mm-hmm. and the road was covered in rocks and the car slipped yeah and uh <laughs> i would have said skid unless it <laughs> slipped on bananas <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then it crashed and he heard his parents scream and then he just started running mm-hmm. and uh And that he doesn't remember any more than that. but So they crashed a car off a mountain road. But then he walks him around the room and he says, this is an imprint left by the wish child's hand. Like, place your hand in it. Yeah. And uh, he places his hand and it fits. And then Stone's like, how did you do that? And then he's (laughs) like, I don't know. It just fit. Like, every 14-year-old doesn't have the exact same size hand.
1: Yeah, and it's at this point that... Stone can now is ready to conclude his business with mr. Lee
0: well he takes him across the room and shows him the golden statue too oh that's true which has the same shock of white hair in the same place right it but it seems just, like
1: it's just painted on
0: yeah it's just painted on this gold statue but I mean maybe it's been painted on the statue for twelve hundred years or mm-hmm. four hundred depending on which person you're asking in this episode
1: and uh, so Stone's ready to conclude the business with mr. Lee and he they basically just kinda of leave Paul in the room. Paul's like, What's going on? It's like, sorry, kids, just business and uh, they lock him in uh, they lock him in the hold with all these priceless artifacts. Yeah. Um which Paul will proceed to destroy.
0: Yeah, like Citizen Kane style. <laughs> just yeah. demolishing the rum.
1: Yeah, it's it's really kinda of crazy. Mr. Lee then takes Stone up onto the deck and and it does, it's really not
0: suspicious at all.
1: Not suspicious at all. It says, "Come to this side of the ship, not the side of the ship with the gangway that you can come down." But...
0: Come to the ocean-facing side of the yeah. ship, so that no one knows what I do to you. Yeah,
1: and uh, shows him a chest full of, I don't know. It's it, supposed to be gold. It's supposed to be gold, but it looks very tarnished. Um, and uh, Mr. Lee just kind of like casually turns away, as if the look, looking upon this man about to be. About to be killed is too much for him to bear or beneath him to witness. Yeah, um, he's basically giving himself plausible deniability.
0: Right. I never I don't saw know what it happened. And... I paid him the money and he just disappeared.
1: <laughs> um, uh, and one of Stone's own men, his in the inside man for Mister Lee, kind of like does like the karate chop to the back of the neck yeah. to knock you out move. Yeah. But then they tie the gold up to him and throw him overboard with the gold. And as if it's like, you know, this is the bargain, you, you the get the gold. The honorable way to do it. Yeah. It's,
0: it's the way this deal would have gone down if it were a deal with Warwick Davis's Leprechaun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you want my gold? Okay, well, it's your anchor now,
1: you yeah. jerk. The, the, the monkey's paw ironic death. Yeah. Outside of the freighter, uh, MacGyver has made his way there and uh, is trying to figure out a way to get inside. He compares it to Fort Knox. In the
0: complexity of breaking in. Yeah,
1: he says, it's just about as hard to break into. And apparently, breaking into Fort Knox is as easy as dressing up like a guy who looks like he works there, maybe, and being really... Covering yourself in grease, and then Mm -hmm. walking
0: in with big machine parts, and just saying, out of my way.
1: Get out of my way. I'm a motorist.
0: Get out of my way. I'm getting the gold. Give me the gold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give me that gold.
0: (laughs) By the way, the... The freighter here, and I'm not 100% sure on this because I couldn't find identifying markers to determine the veracity of the claim I'm about to make. But this is definitely the same ship <laughs> from Countdown,
1: 100%
0: <laughs> from season one, episode 14, Countdown. There's there's scenes that I think it looks similar. It's at least the ship would be located in a in the same place mm-hmm. because it's definitely the right location based on what Ellen Bree told us where they shot it, and um, it's a larger ship that could double as a cruise liner at least on the deck
1: right yeah because because we never see any like really wide shots of the cruise ship in countdown yeah. like it's 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 very tight against like corridors or uh just small exterior walls
0: and a lot of sky Mm-hmm. Um, beautiful blue sky <laughs> <laughs> with that um,
1: the, that approaching storm
0: right um but uh but, so, uh, my theory is that this is probably the same ship they use for that, just because TV shows reuse locations. Yeah,
1: I, I'm sure that that's probably a safe bet.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, now um, Paul's locked in his room downstairs, and MacGyver is just, like, bluffing his way past guard after guard mm-hmm. to get to the heart of the ship, to the to the specific steel door.
1: And now we're under a bit of a ticking clock, because the ship's about to cast off. Right.
0: And, in 37 uh, minutes. and
1: 37 very exact <laughs> minutes. Um... And uh, it would be trouble if they were in international waters, because uh, anything goes in international waters. Right. So uh, MacGyver is kind of just making his way to the forward hold, right? Uh, where he manages to subdue a guard by hooking his belt onto a crane and lifting him up, much like John Leguizamo in Super Mario Brothers, the movie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Because I, these are very well-made belts, <laughs> in both cases.
1: Uh. I just wanted to make that reference it's so bad. <laughs> We're making so many I'm big. I'm flying. Troubles. I'm flying, Mario. <laughs> I don't know why I have this horrible tightness in my in my waist, but
0: I don't know why I suddenly have to pee so bad. But I'm flying. I'm flying, <laughs> Mario.
1: Oh wait, Mario! No, don't jump. <laughs> Trust the fungus. So the uh the steel door, which is the the steel door. In which the wish child is inside of, um, MacGyver cannot open; it's locked, and we get the great uh, MacGyver the, the locked spin door. And slam! Yeah, uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, he tries to open the door, and when he can't, in frustration, he spins and slams his back and kind of his little elbows against the back of the door as well, as if like, like ah.
0: Now, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third instance that we've seen of this yeah the first one was in the opening gambit for the gauntlet which we described earlier the Mm -hmm. map opening gambit yeah um when he can't get out of the room that the map was in he spins around and punches the door it happens again later Mm -hmm. much later i don't remember where exactly
1: yeah i'm trying to think of the moment
0: i think we touched on it in our review of the episode but i'm blanking on it at the moment i feel like it might have actually been in the human factor when they're trying to get out of one of the rooms that's suddenly turning into a death trap mm-hmm I'm not 100% sure.
1: So, MacGyver had uh, snagged a gun off the guy he lifted up on the crane, and uh, he doesn't like guns, but he is a
0: big... But he takes them constantly.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He will sometimes brandish them, and um, he will also use them as guns in other ways. Right. Often
0: for their explosive power.
1: Yeah, he, he, you're basically just using it as a gun at this point. Even Although though,
0: occasionally as a wrench, but that's a rarity. Yeah,
1: because in this in this instance, he's actually even using a cartridge like the to ignite yeah. the to ignite All the, the gunpowder
0: and the cartridge, yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, he empties out one of the bullets, or a couple of the bullets, into uh, a piece of rag that he had uh, tied around his forehead, and stuffs it into the lock, just shoves a cartridge into the lock and then just kind of like taps the uh, uh, igniter on the cartridge to blow the lock open which to me wouldn't blow the lock open it would just destroy the mechanisms that allow you to disable or open and close the lock
0: or it would just launch the gun out of his hand that he used as the hammer too.
1: yeah the the cartridge would shoot across yeah it the would room. just
0: fire the opposite direction out of the hold because it's a steel door. What is the gun made out of, you know? It's the same thing as just making another chamber.
1: Yeah. But it works. Bingo. He, uh, he gets that door open and uh, finds Paul in the Bleeding mess. from a
0: gunshot wound.
1: <laughs> He's like, ah.
0: MacGyver, what did you do? I was looking through the keyhole. <laughs> just his eyes gone. <laughs> just like the Wish Childs. <laughs> That is not a part of the legend. (laughs) Of the wish child. Yeah. I added that.
1: Um, So they start making their way out and they see, they hear that the elevator down to this hold level is, is uh, approaching. So MacGyver decides to put on like a, like a puppet show. It's really like a bizarre distraction tactic. He, he, he has Paul hold the wish child statue, which should be really heavy. But is actually very light. Yeah. Um, and it's not
0: obviously not solid gold. Yeah. It's probably largely paper mache, but like <laughs> twelve hundred year old paper mache. Yeah,
1: which is just as valuable. Right. I mean, you know, paper was invented in China.
0: Because yeah. those newspapers
1: <laughs> are ancient. <laughs> and the power sauce bars. <laughs> uh, Macgyver grabs a fire extinguisher and fills up the room with deadly <laughs> CO2.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And then we get maybe one of my, at least one of my favorite moments of the episode, where James Hong approaches his museum, which, Mm. I mean, you would have to know at that point had been destroyed by the kid in frustration. And he sees um, John Leguizamo hanging from this hook, this, this henchman character just hanging by his belt over the walkway and instead of saying hey a guy broke in here you're my boss and I should be reporting to you that a guy mm-hmm. broke in here broke into the room is and is gonna sneak the kid out he just says Mr. Lee and Mr. <laughs> Lee looks up at him and he's just staring down at Mr. Lee yeah. and that's the that's the completion That's it. of that conversation he yep. doesn't give him any more information and it's super awkward doesn't
1: tell him if he's armed i feel or... like
0: that happened because someone was like well wouldn't you just say macgyver's in there like they're gonna set up a trap or something like he broke into the room and then they're like you're right let's just have him be an idiot yeah <laughs> let's just shoot the scene where he's an idiot so people know that he was an idiot
1: so james hong opens the door to the wish child's room and it's just this, this mystic fog pours out uh it probably seems more mystic because he's suffocating. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, Paul is, like, making, like, it's clearly suspended without a person in this first shot.
0: But it's made to look like Paul is walking around with it, mm-hmm. giving it, like, ghostly effect, like yeah. Scooby-Doo-esque.
1: And then uh, once we get the second closer shot, we can we can see that it's being held up yeah. by a person.
0: And moving less interestingly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and
0: And MacGyver just steps out and throws him on the ground
1: yeah it's like he's he's an old man and he's unarmed and it wouldn't really take much to take him down
0: yeah the MacGyverism was totally unnecessary because he could have just stood by the door waited for James Hong to walk into the room and then threw him on the ground
1: yeah I I would like I want to see the alternate version of this where James Hong opens the door and MacGyver and Paul are just passed out on the ground from (laughs) from,
0: from we underestimated how long it would take you to get here
1: (laughs) MacGyver, stop spraying. No, we need more smoke. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, MacGyver uh, breaks off a piece of the handle of the fire extinguisher and jams into the door so James Hong can't escape the now broken door. I... But luckily there is an alarm button, which seems like that would have been a bad idea like because Paul would have been locked in there with it. If I was Paul, I would just been pushing it constantly. Who does it alarm
0: <laughs> just push it constantly? <laughs> They're just sitting up in the control room like beep beep, beep being setting the alarm again. Yeah, I know he's been doing it for two days.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, like who is it alarming? It's it, like I'm sure that there are like gallons. Well he has
0: his one specific henchman that's like Yeah. The only one who's capable.
1: Um, but I, you know, there are like duty stations and like reporting stations when the alarms go off, but you're not going to know to go check on the private museum downstairs. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a really general alarm, and uh, MacGyver and Paul are slipping through because there just aren't enough people on this freighter to run it. Right. Um,
0: Typical Jurassic Park scenario. Yeah.
1: So, MacGyver encounters the uh, the thug that killed Stone, who's Mr. Right. Lee's guy. Yeah. And uh, they have. This is now MacGyver getting to put his martial arts to the test. Which this they- is
0: actually some of the cooler martial arts from the show. Like, the yeah. guy does a couple cool moves there. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, yeah, he, he seems like he might know what he's actually doing.
0: And he actually chops, like, a handrail in half when he's mm-hmm. missing MacGyver.
1: Um, so, MacGyver, in one move, undoes his belt. And removes it from his belt loops. <laughs> right. It's really fast. I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just mentally incapacitated, but I always like have to struggle to get my belt off out of my pants. Well,
0: there's there's two kinds of men in the world. There's the kind of man whose belt you could just whip off like it's nothing, and there's mm-hmm. the guy you could suspend from the ceiling by it. Yeah. I
1: um, think I think you'd be
0: hanging there. Yeah, I'd be. The belt is never coming and off. This is this is a part of me now.
1: Um, MacGyver takes off his belt and uses it as a whip like whip cracks it around this guy's leg and yeah it seems like if someone ripped, pulled the belt around my leg and tried to pull me i'd just be like like no yeah that's not going to happen yeah uh because you'd be able to like move with it a little bit yeah but totally takes this guy out like brings him totally onto his back and i guess knocks him out He's because out, yeah. he he doesn't pursue um all the james
0: is... hong does because the, before he was knocked out in this encounter he was able to unlock the door and let james hong out
1: yeah and uh so um so james hong is already caught up to them and is like you know screaming for them to stop and he takes this really bad
0: fall it looks bad it looks like he falls like on his arm or on his chest yeah. because he's actually gripping his chest for the rest of the shot like mm-hmm. he actually landed on something but it looks totally accidental
1: well i think he's gripping his chest because he's supposed to be like getting ready to suffer a heart attack right but this fall as a result i think of him not being able to catch himself yeah it looked bad
0: yeah it, it looked it, super painful
1: but uh no one else seems to be stopping paul or macgyver from getting off the ship. Right. Cuz they walk right they just walk right down the gangway.
0: Because Dennis Nedry already snuck everything out in the storm and yeah. there's nobody else that works here.
1: Um so they just, they just run down the gangway to the pier and as soon as Paul hits the pier, James Hong just his Mr. Lee just suffers a heart attack. Just dead and falls off into some netting that's on the other side of the Which uh,
0: essentially confirms our suspicion that Paul was in fact the wish child. Yeah. and that the immortality left James Hong's body when he left the ship. Mm-hmm. And yet James Hong is still around. Yep. And that kid died 13 years ago. So it's crazy. Yeah.
1: The end of the episode is just basically uh, maybe it's kind of weird because Tia Carrera looks like she's 10 years older in this scene
0: Probably because of the way she's wearing her hair and she's just dressed differently because was trying to make a good impression for this yeah, karate studio opportunity. Yeah, but it's so
1: like, I felt like for for the first the first thing that we see her, she's like maybe eighteen, like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Like she's, yeah. she seems like she's really young. Yeah. Um, and, and then, then when all she of comes a sudden, back, yeah, yeah, all of a sudden she's like in her thirties. Yeah. Um, and and we don't get what happened. She's she's how San Francisco, and she's says,
0: "Ugh, don't ask."
1: I want. I want. Well, to the know implication
0: of I don't want to talk about it is that it didn't work out, which stands to reason because the whole point is that this was supposed to be a humbling experience for Paul, and that people aren't getting what they want and they have to live a normal life. They're not mm-hmm. just gonna suddenly everything's not gonna turn up roses.
1: But wouldn't it be? Yeah. But wouldn't it? That be a happier ending. Well, for this it episode? would be nicer
0: because she actually worked for her own karate studio instead mm-hmm. of having it handed to her.
1: Exactly. I don't know. I felt it was like a really empty kind of thing to have her gone. Like, did she really need to be gone? Would it would have been a more interesting episode if she was with them?
0: Here's, yeah, that's probably true. And they, I, I feel like a a big part of why she's in this is because she so closely resembles, uh, I forget her name, Charlotte, something that played the female lead in Golden Child. Mm. Um, they they just look really similar. I'm actually surprised that Tia Carrera is not in the Golden Child as that character, um, because I don't remember her name, but she's not in. A lot of stuff. I mean, she was at the time, but I feel like Tia Carrere has worked a little bit more regularly since then. Um, but uh, but now that I think about it, if she had come in and said, "Yeah, it all worked out," then it would have been rude of them to not ask more information, like, "Oh, you're going to get a karate studio." Mm-hmm. So just to end the conversation as quickly as possible, is just, yeah, don't ask me about it. Yeah, just keep things moving because this is just supposed to be a button to wrap up that mm-hmm.
1: episode. Yeah, because she asked. So how was the birthday party? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, uh. outstanding.
0: <laughs> but it could have, yeah, you're right. She could very easily have factored into the rest of the episode, and then there wouldn't have been all that like needless voiceover.
1: Yeah, I think I think it would have been really interesting if like, they're, because they can still be outnumbered and and knocked out and having to track people down and figure yeah. out where 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 to go next. I think it it would have been. I think it would have been great to have him MacGyver have someone on the inside. For who cares this even more
0: about Paul than he does. Yeah,
1: and someone who can help, like, with the Chinese mystery, know, know who might be involved. And
0: if that's a problem for the writing, if they're like, well, then he has too much of an advantage, then have her just not speak Chinese very well. Yeah. Just have it be, like, that Part kind of, of a situation where she's just like, well, I don't know, I grew up here. Like, I don't know what this says.
1: So much potential. I mean, it's still an okay episode.
0: It's entirely possible it was a scheduling conflict type thing, too. It's still... I I like this episode. Yeah,
1: it's interesting. Um, I like
0: that they bothered to write it so that you can either accept that Paul is or is not the wish child. Right. Because putting that thought into it just makes it a little bit more interesting to me than the typical, like, oh, it was a heist and it didn't pay off the end.
1: And it's not one of those episodes that, like, gives you one overwhelming... Factor that absolutely yes he was yeah it's it's all very coincidental yeah, the
0: top is still spinning when we cut to the credits yeah
1: it, it's the, the things that happen are all very coincidental that can be explained in other ways but there's no like X Files style like oh yeah this actually happened and you saw it happen um, but moving on yeah <laughs> uh, yeah so you know it was a fun episode. A lot of great, great actors in this episode. Yeah, that that's probably my favorite part about it.
0: It is crazy to sit and watch a scene with like, without MacGyver in it, with just George Takei and James Hong talking mm-hmm. and just being as riveted as any other scene in an episode. Yeah, or maybe even more so to just be like, oh, I love both of these guys. They have such iconic voices and they're such mm-hmm. iconic characters, and to just hear them have a conversation about anything is yeah. magical.
1: Yeah, I was very excited when uh, like just watching looking at the cast list before this watching this episode i was like oh my gosh this is great
0: and maybe they weren't all hugely famous at the time but even looking back like having tia carrera in the episode is amazing like Mm -hmm. james hong george takei and tia carrera in the same episode is crazy and clyde kasatsu and all these people who it's like character actors whose names you know and you know major characters they've played and you love those characters Mm -hmm. it's just fun to see them all playing around in the macgyver universe
1: and uh, you, yeah, this isn't the first uh, or the last episode that we're gonna have like that's like folklore kind of based. Like, right? There's there's gonna be like some Native American stuff coming up, and
0: and there's more Chinese stuff down the line too. Yeah, yeah. This is the first like straight up Chinese thing. Like, the Golden Triangle was more like Burma and stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah.
1: And that wasn't really like mythological or superstitious or anything like that. Right. Um, but we're going to get a lot of those kinds of episodes later on. Yeah. And so this is kind of like that first really big one.
0: Yeah. It's fun. It's introducing a new a new version of a MacGyver episode to us. Mm-hmm. You have like the trapped episodes where you just got to get out of a place. Yeah. Or get out of the way of ants or things the, like
1: that. The help of disparaged people episode.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, like, the social commentary episodes, and then there's these, like, the mysticism, like, mm-hmm. protecting the innocents and foiling some massive plot. Yeah. But uh, I, I definitely dig this episode. I think Five Writers did a fantastic job mm-hmm. on this one. And whether or not it was adapted from the trailer for The Wish Child <laughs> <laughs> remains to be seen. I didn't realize that came out after this. That's kind of crazy. Um, maybe someone had seen a cut of it, or they just sat down with James Hong and they were like, okay, what was it about? <laughs>
1: <laughs> because obviously James Hong would have had to have had his parts done by now.
0: Yeah, they would have shot that. By the way, almost forgot to mention this. The entire... Uh, I mean, the point of the Golden Child is Eddie Murphy's trying to find this kid and rescue him from these this cult that's holding him hostage and feeding him people's blood to keep him weak. Um, but he's refusing to eat it, and he's surviving off of eating, like, plants and stuff when he can But... When when Eddie Murphy finally finds him, he's actually finding him in Greystone Mansion, which we had from Deathlock. Yeah. Which, that episode actually... Uh, that was episode number 12. So that was the second episode that came out this year, 1986. Mm-hmm. So they could have been shooting there, like, the same time. I mean, if Wish Child came out in 1986 and that episode aired in 1986, then... Or Gold, Golden Child and MacGyver should have yeah, been shooting yeah, yeah. In, the, in the mansion like within six months of each other. I'm sure. So it's interesting in that respect to see what it looked like, you know, on Mm. like nice 35 millimeter film at the time when you're watching the golden child and be like, Oh wow. it's like all the same set decoration. Um,
1: Uh, I mean, for, for, for those of you listening, like, you know, we work in film production. And so a lot of people have like this misconception that a film is, is shot in like two months and then, comes out like a month and a half to two months later. And that's just not the case with anything except maybe porn. Um, (laughs) uh, yeah, sometimes, sometimes things are shot and they don't come out for a
0: year. Yeah. And like four months is tight for like a major release. Mm -hmm. And actually speaking of our, our experience in, in film and television, I've actually worked on a Kurt Russell movie before. And the craziest thing about working, um, and seeing Kurt Russell like on set is that he has no idea that he's Kurt Russell. Like he, like that, what I was saying before about how he, he didn't want to mess up John Carpenter's movie. Like Mm -hmm. that totally makes sense to me now because Kurt Russell just, doesn't realize how awesome he is and anytime like anything goes mildly wrong even if it's not his fault he's just like was that okay like is it is it cool if i i mean is there something i can do to make that better like he doesn't he gets really upset when he steps on other people's lines and he's super apologetic and he's just the sweetest guy you could possibly imagine That's so great and he just has no idea how awesome he is and what a legend like he is on a set mm-hmm. and so i just i have such a more tremendous respect for him that it's just I mean, I already loved him as Jack Burton, but then to know that every time the camera cuts he's like, "Was that okay? I don't want to mess anything up." And it's just like, "Oh my god, you're awesome." <laughs> like it's, it's just such a cool guy. But yeah, the I mean, if The Golden Child came out in December of 86, yeah. then it could have been shot a year before that. Like mm. end of 85, which is when they around when they would have been shooting that episode of yeah, yeah. of Deathlock or of MacGyver, the Deathlock episode. Um but yeah, so if if you want to check it out, like I said, uh, Golden Child is on uh, Netflix. Watch it now. So you should watch that and then go back and watch Deathlock and see <laughs> two different versions of of a shoot in this.
1: A, a um, lot of things are shot there. Uh, Agent Carter, we, as we discussed in Deathlock, was shot there.
0: There's actually scenes in the the new Ninja Turtles movie that were shot there. Oh really? Yeah. Um, I don't remember which ones, unless I'm confusing it with SS Lane Victory, which also had Ninja Turtles shoot there.
1: Uh. The movie was terrible anyway, so I don't yeah. want to reference it. I
0: don't think it, not, not the, I think the S.S. Lane Victory it was the original Ninja Turtles movie. Oh, okay. The, the early 90s one, which I actually really like.
1: No, I did. that that one I will reference. Yeah. <laughs> I accept that reference.
0: But not the uh, not the Michael Bay produced one. He didn't direct it, right? No, he did not direct it. No. It actually would have been better if he directed it. Because
1: yeah, because it would have yeah.
0: been better written, probably, and more explodey. All right, I think that about wraps it up for The Wish Child. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter, at Opening Gambit, all one word. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash phoenixfoundationpodcast. And as always, you can find us at phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. If you're digging the show, go ahead and review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 5, Final Approach. Thank you for listening. Thank
1: you.